we haven't been here for a while. And you guys are still quite beautiful. Let me just... So who of you were in Maidstone this past week, yesterday? Mm, quite a few. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, oh, yeah? What was good? Yeah, what... Were you encouraged? Yeah? So Hearn Bay is going to change. But that is the thing. Yeah. Today, Mike Betts has asked me to speak on the presence of God and mission. Now, it was interesting. I came in and I saw that banner. You were made for mission, evangelism. And I love that because I pumped to see people saved and come through and discipled and healed and bring it on, give it to me, you know. But today, we're going to talk on you were made for mission and put a line under that. Evangelism eventually comes, but you were made for mission. Isn't that interesting? Now, what could that be? If it is, well, you made for mission, but let's not talk about evangelism, then what on earth could it be? Shall I tell you? Are you all waiting? It's from John 14 and 15. I'm not going to read the whole lot because it's going to take too long. But it's where he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me. Do you know mission is actually, our primary mission is actually not church planting. It's not even evangelism. It's not uh, prophesying. It's not doing any of the gifts. Our major mission is to worship Jesus. And when we worship Jesus, the presence of God comes on us. And so often as Christians, I know when I first got saved, the first thing I thought of is, what must I do? I've got to do something. Do you identify with that? What must I do? Surely there's something. Now I must do. Until I realized, now hold on. To be born again is to actually be. I must be. And out of the being comes the doing, but I must be. And sometimes it's more difficult to be than it is to do. So in Cape Town, I worked in the townships for many years, and I would have people from all over the world write to me and say, can we come and work with you? We have this and this and this and this and this to offer. This is what we can do. And I would write back and say, if you're willing for a month to not do anything but to be, to come and sit in shacks and houses and drink lots of tea and Coca-Cola and get to know people, you can come. But if you're coming to do, then I can't really have you because you're not going to know what you're doing. It's a cross-cultural experience. You cannot know what you're doing until you be. And that's quite a thing. People would come and they would be for a week or two and then you could see that... But we've got to do, and what are we going to write back to our church in the country we are? Well, we just drank 20 cups of tea this week. Do you see? We define ourselves by what we do instead of by what, who we are. And Jesus said, I'm the vine, 
You are the branches. Remain in me. And things will start to happen. So the presence of God in mission is all about finding out where our roots are, who we are in him before the doing comes. Because the doing comes out of just being in his presence. Does it sound, does that sound okay? The whole thing about the presence of God is lifting the weight off our shoulders of needing to do stuff simply to earn brownie points. And it's amazing how quickly we go from the being into the doing. Oh, I haven't, I haven't read my Bible today. I wonder if God still loves me the same. Have you ever felt like, I have felt like that at times. I wonder if, oh, it's all about how much I do instead of who I am in Jesus. The interesting thing when Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches, he says, without me, you can do nothing. That's quite something. Yes, but Lord, I'm so gifted to do this and that and that. No, without me, you can do nothing. So we can run off. You know, on, on Friday evening, um, I think it was Friday, we had some leaders come together in Maidstone. And Mike Betts read something from a, ga- a guy called Francis Frangie, Frangie Payne in which he first described how for from 6 in the morning till 12 afternoon, he would spend time with God. I mean, he's got lots of time, eh? But he would spend it with God. And it was so lovely, and out of that he did all kinds of stuff. But then people started wanting his time for counseling and this and that. So he just took a bit more off and took a bit more off and took a bit more and in the end, he found that he was running on what he was doing and not on the presence of God. And it's so easy. That's the scary thing. We get into the drivenness. And everybody needs me and everybody wants me and I'm so gifted and I've got to give it away, you know. And God says, no, hold on. The most important task that we can do is the Mary thing, to sit with God and do some reading, even if it's a verse, and get something out of it. And be so in love with Jesus and so filled up that as we walk into wherever we're going, work, friends, family, we just exude the presence of God in, in our lives. He will just flow out of us and make life and doing stuff, mission, not such hard work, if we just abide in him, because without him we can't do anything. Yes, but Lord, you gave me a brain, and I'm so gifted, and I've got, you know, university degrees falling off my fingers, surely. No, actually they mean nothing without God, without his presence. Mission flows from a relationship with God. It's not a job. And may I say sometimes in full-time work, I don't know if I'm speaking to the right people here in full-time, 
Sometimes it gets to feel like a job. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. But then one's got to draw back and say, hold on, hold on. Let me get my priorities right and my perspective right because it's about mission flowing from the love of God. It's never a job. So even for you who are in secular work or for you who are on pension, it's about loving God and then going into secular work and letting God just flow through you. So the job is the thing that we do to earn the money in secular work. But out of, out of you the rivers of living water will flow and be a blessing right there in your job. God has called us to partner with him. Adam and Eve, he walked with them in the garden and he was looking for partners. Something went wrong, but Jesus has come to bring the partnership back. And so God comes and lives inside us and we carry him around in partnership. That's amazing. Isn't that totally amazing? That he partners with us to do mission. But it first starts in his presence. You know, from the beginning, God wanted a people. When he chose the Israelites, it was a people who would actually display his heart and his kindness to the, to the world. But the Israelites drew in and they became the, no, we, you know, he's our God. We are these special people. And they didn't display all his glory. Then Jesus came. And before time, he had handpicked all of us. And he says, now, display my glory. So nothing has changed from the Old to the New Testament. God's plan is the same, but the glory is now displayed through us. And that is from being in the presence of God. It's quite something, eh? So nothing has changed. God doesn't change his mind. It's just the Israelites didn't fulfill that purpose. So Jesus came, and he came and lived right inside us to fulfill mission, which is to see the world blessed and changed. You know, we are so powerful. As you sit here, the power is so big in this room. Yes, but we, we only a few compared to how big Hearn Bay is. Do you know the power in this room to bring a change into Hearn Bay is so big? If we would recognize who we are in Jesus and how powerful we are. I spoke on evangelism yesterday and I said, I want to be where I walk. The demons must say, oh no, not her again. But you see, that is the mindset. That's who we are, whether you feel it or not. It's not about our emotions. It's what the Bible says. We must live by this, not by this and this. Because this goes up and down and, you know, happy and sad and, and you know, is God with me, is God not with me, and so on. Um, but it's, what does this say? And so often my buzzword is the word cold-blooded. So often I will feel yuck. And I will cold-bloodedly get hold of the promises walk out and expect God to do something because actually that's his job. 
God's got a job. It says so in the Bible. He's given us promises. He's got a job to do. It says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Amazing. So you can imagine, Jesus had been with the disciples and he says, I'm going to leave you. That's awful. They'd watched him for three years, all close to him. And watched everything he did and they felt comfortable with him. He sent them out. He breathed on them. He said, go into all, you know, go into the town's villages and go and stay in the house. Ask for a man of peace. Stay in the house and um, go and heal the sick. And, and they did it. But they came back and reported to him. So it was, he was there, tangible. But he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will send someone else, the comforter. Who is, you know, you're not going to see me and then you will see me. That's quite amazing. And he came and he lived inside us and has adopted us as sons. And women are also the sons of God. And men are the bride of Christ. You can just see all the men in their wedding dresses, eh? <laughs> and, um, and we are adopted into his family and have the same rights and privileges as Jesus. That is mind-blowing. We are seated in heavenly places already. We might feel awful, and the body starts to give in, but we're seated in heavenly places, and that is who we are. So we look on things from a heavenly perspective more than from down here. Um, the guy who led us in South Africa, Simon Pettit, who some of you would remember, he passed away quite untimely, but yeah. And one day he preached and he said, he went up Table Mountain and he stood and he looked over Cape Town. And Cape Town had a lot of issues. And so as a church, we were dealing with lots of issues. And he looked down and God spoke to him and said, this is the heavenly perspective. Do you see how small everything is? The cars, are, the cars are tiny. The people are dots. And he said to Simon, start seeing the problems. Instead of these massive problems, start seeing them from the heavenly perspective. With the right kind of perspective. Bring it to God from a heavenly perspective. And watch them shrink. But you see, we stand on your... And everything look, looks like a giant to us. But we are already seated in heavenly places, in Christ. It's quite amazing. I'm making the drum beat here to the side. I like drums beating. <laughs> when Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans, you know, who of you here would like... Jesus to come walking in here. Wouldn't we all? But you know what? If he came walking in here, he'd only be able to come and sit next to one of you or come and stand next to me. Do you know? But he said, you won't see me, then you will see me. I will send someone who is like me. So that what Jesus did and who he was is now living in us. We carry him with us. In the same way as when he walked. 
And so he can be everywhere now, whereas when he was on earth, he, he was in one place. He has multiplied himself in us. And that's why he says you will do greater things. Because now you, we are all over doing stuff. And so more is happening actually than when he walked here. So he's living in us as if he was present with us. And he is, and that's the presence of God. Uh, somebody came in late to the meeting in Maidstone yesterday, and he walked in, and we saw him at lunchtime, and he said, wow, I walked in to this wall of the presence of God and Holy Spirit power that almost knocked me off my feet. We don't realize that when even this morning somebody comes in off the street and they're walking into this wall of the presence and the aroma of the Holy Spirit. And when we walk out, that is around us because we carry him and his presence wherever we go. So our mission is to get to know him, to sit with him, to be the Mary with him. And then out of that flows rivers of living water to do all the gifting and, you know, the evangelism, the prophecy. But our mission starts with him. It's not always the, it sounds easy, but it's not always that easy because we're on, a, we're on a rush. But even if you get up in the morning, you go rush off to work, you talk to him. Keep the, keep the contact. Keep it going. Talk to him. He's our friend. He wants to know what we think of the flowers. He wants to know what we think of the sunshine now. You know, let's, let's talk to him and appreciate the things that we are seeing around us. Jesus said, Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Anybody bearing fruit here? This is, isn't it awful? How, much, how big is the fruit? How small is the fruit? And so on. Let me tell you a secret. Jesus said, you will bear much fruit. Do you think it's my job to bear much fruit? Or is it he working in me who needs to bear much fruit? Now there's something to think about. Jesus said... You will bear much fruit. He made a statement. You, I've chosen you before time. Therefore, you will bear much fruit. So, come and connect to me and listen to me and obey what I ask you. And you will bear much fruit. So, we listen and we do what he's asking. And he makes the fruit. He is the fruit bearer in us. Isn't that does it make sense? Oh, but I wonder how much fruit I'm bearing. He says you will bear much fruit. So his job is to work in us to bear much fruit. Whereas we are trying so hard to bear fruit. Do you see the difference? He didn't say, well, if you, maybe, and... And if you read 20 verses per day, well, you could bear much fruit. He said, you will. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. 
So as we remain in him and just love him to bits, we will bear fruit. We can't help it. He can't help it. He promised. So he bears much fruit through us. Have I thrown you a bit? Does it make sense? It's a declaration he made. So we must stop panicking. How much fruit am I bearing? Love God. Serve his people. And he in us will bear much fruit. We will bear much fruit. Because he said, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. I found, I heard somebody speak on it. And it's like, whoa, this is different. I love it. I love it to bits. Because it, you know, the whole thing about the presence of God is it takes the weight off. The anointing breaks the yoke. And we're so busy, you know, we've got an enemy. And his job is to say, you're not doing enough. You don't love God enough. You haven't read enough Bible. When last did you say the name of Jesus to a friend? And he accuses us day and night. That's his job. Our job is to say, I'm in the vine. This is who I am. I have the presence of God all around me and in me. And if I walk down the street and I greet people, I'm bearing fruit. Do you see? I'm, I'm, I'm exuding the power of God. I'm bearing fruit. If I go and pray for someone, I'm bearing fruit. If I find that there's a habit thing and the Holy Spirit puts his hand on it, and I say, Holy Spirit, please come and change me, he will do it. I'm bearing fruit. He does the work. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. I heard Mike Betts say this in Cambridge. We did a Presence of God in Cambridge. And I've been a Christian for quite a while, but I've never thought of this. Actually, by the way, Mike Betts spoke on bearing, much, bearing fruit as well. Um, it's he I listened to about the bearing fruit, just to make you more comfortable, in case you're thinking, what is she telling us? But this was... It just astounded me. Remember yesterday when we were in Maidstone and Mike was speaking and a sheep started to meh outside. You think, what's a sheep doing there? But it reminded me again of what Mike said in Cambridge recently. And he said, it's amazing, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And he said, isn't it amazing? God didn't call us owls. Owls are wise. <laughs> he called us sheep because we're all a bit stupid. <laughs> do you see? And that's what he said. We're all a bit stupid. How do I hear the voice of God? Have you sat like that? I have. Oh, Lord. What direction must I go? And you feel stupid because you think, is it this? Is it that? What about this? What about that? And Mike said him, in the Bible, he calls us sheep over and over and over. And Mike said when he travels from Lowestoft, at times, he sees in the ditch a whole lot of sheep. And he thinks, what are they doing there? But you see, one went in there, and the rest just followed. And they just, ah, in the in the ditch, not knowing what they're doing. And funnily enough, Jesus said, we like sheep. 
But he said, my sheep know my voice. And then Mike said something. He said, you know, it is up to God to let us hear his voice. Not up to us to try to hear the voice. When we need direction, and I've heard many preachings on direction, you go in a boat and you, lie, you go to the dock and when the lights line up, then you know that is what God is saying. And I've heard a preach like that and I walked out thinking, I don't even know where the dock is. <laughs> Never mind the lights. Do you know? And here Mike comes and says, Jesus made a statement. My sheep hear my voice. Therefore, as we are in the vine, and we're saying, Lord, what must I do? It is his job to let us hear his voice. Doesn't that take a burden off? So God has to work hard to catch our attention, to, to show us what to do while we are abiding in him. I heard this, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? It hasn't left me. I'm astounded. Why did nobody tell me this before after this hard work of is it this and is it that? Because if a child asks his father for a piece of bread, will his father give him a snake? How much more will God give the Holy Spirit? So when we say, Lord, I've got these three job interviews, and they're all nice, which one? Now, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Okay, Lord, here they are. Speak to me, which one? And then it's a matter of, now I'm going to push doors. It's up to you, Lord, to open or close doors. And you know, you will go through the right door because you asked, and he made sure you heard his voice. Isn't that the most comforting, brilliant, brilliant thing? It takes the weight off. And the whole thing about the presence of God is taking the weight off our shoulders. Can you ma? <laughs> Isn't it funny? As Mike said, we're all stupid. It's quite something, eh? But in the most nicest way, because God doesn't call us stupid. He calls us his friends. But he's saying in the kindest way, stop battling so much. Stop battling. Be in my presence. Trust me. And out of you will flow springs of living water, and you will know what to do. So, you know, it's about before time God chose us. Who of you were chosen here before time? I'm going to hand up. You were chosen before time. That's amazing. Why? Surely God knew the how I would be? Yes, he did. And he thought, I'll have her anyway. And I'll, and I'll sort, you know, I'll sort out the bits. I'll sort out the nonsense and make her like Jesus. And that goes for you as well. And he comes and lives in us. And we become the carriers of the presence of God in us and around us. And everything starts with him and ends with him. He is now, he bought us. When Jesus died on the cross, he bought us with a price. We belong to him. We are all his. It's like, yes, sir. In the best possible way, Lord, what do you want? What can I, you know? Where must I go? What have you got for me? Lord, my money is not lasting. I'm your child, Lord. You know, often I've said to the Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You can sell a few for me. <laughs> 
But he doesn't even have to sell them because everything belongs to him. So one's got need, a need of money. Lord, I'm your child. Here I come. Please help. Anything starts with God and the presence of God. And then even as we walk, it's a matter of, okay, Lord, where must I go today? What do you want me to do? I explained yesterday, I will end now, I explained yesterday that we went to the Olympics last year and we went to Paralympics. And you have uh, people who are vision impaired and they were running in their lane but with somebody tied to their wrist, a seeing person to keep them in their lane. So they run together. Quite something, eh? That's, that's very tricky. But they're running in their lane and if they come out of their lane, the seeing person pushes them back in their lane. And God just spoke to me. You know, Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. So in front of each one of us, if you can imagine it, is your lane. We've each got a lane in which God has prepared good works for us. But you know what we do? Are we peeking in somebody else's lane to see what they're doing? And we compare, the Bible says, compare yourself to yourself. But we compare ourselves to others. But they're doing it better than me or worse than me. And look at this and look at that. And for some of you, you will remember the Olympics with um, Zola Budd, the South African who ran barefoot, and Mary Decker. And these two were challenging each other. And so they ran, and they were so busy looking at each other and each other's lines that their feet got hooked, and they both fell flat and missed out on the Olympics. Because as we are comparing ourselves to someone else, and he prophesied ten times, and I've only done it once, and so on, we are hooking our foot out of our lane into maybe somebody else's lane, tripping them up even, instead of God has prepared the works. And he knows our works. are It suits our temperament, who we are, the gifting he's given us. That's, that's what he's prepared for us. And we go out trying to do the things that we are not able to do. And so we worship God in the starting blocks. And then we run the race, as Paul said, run to win the prize. We run the race. And we are tripping over the people who we must talk to, the good deeds we must do. They come to meet us as we're worshiping God. Does it make sense? It makes it so much easier then, now, what must I do? And where must I go? And because as, as we are worshiping God, he is speaking to us, my sheep know my voice. And you run in your lane and you start reaping. So I don't, I work hard, but I don't work hard at, now, Lord, who must I speak to? What must I do? I'm ready. And I say, Lord, send them to me. Whoever's in my lane, I want them. They're my inheritance. Whatever good deeds are there, I want it. It's my inheritance. So I said to the people yesterday, you get Billy Graham. One, say, a million people led to the Lord. You get Joe Bloggs. Two. So they get before Jesus. Who gets the prize? Both. But do you see? 
Because Jesus saves. Billy Graham didn't save them, nor did Joe Bloggs. Jesus saves. Before time, in front of Billy Graham, God put his hand on him, and in his lane was a million people. In Joe Bloggs' lane was two. It took Joe Bloggs the same effort and courage for the two as Billy Graham and his anointing for the million. Does that make sense? Because one day... It'll be well done, good and faithful servant, because we've obeyed what God has put in our lane, not how many people did you speak to, how many people did you lead to the Lord, how many prophecies did you give, how many, how many, how many. That's Satan's the accuser. We obey, he speaks, we obey, and he says, well done. He's doing the work even when we prophesy and all that. It's him. And then he turns and he pats us on the back. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amazing. Amazing. Any questions? I like questions. Everybody happy? <clears throat> Can you handle all this? Have you found it a bit freeing? Does it take some pressure off? It's like, let's stand. Okay. Yep. Of what I'm saying. Well, if you want the presence of God, Mary, when she chose to sit at Jesus' feet, was breaking all the laws that was in the land for women. They weren't allowed to study, they weren't allowed to be in men's company and so on. She vigorously sat at Jesus' feet while Martha complained Women should be in the kitchen. So she vigorously chose to want Jesus. And, you know, the vigorously is, it's hard work to continually want Jesus. We think, but we're born again. It should come so easy to us. Who finds it's easy? It's, you know, when we're all like this, oh, hallelujah, glory. You go home and you get a phone call or somebody steps into your face. Um, it's not so easy. But then it's to vigorously say, no, this is who I am and this is what I believe. So it is a hard, vigorous work. And that's our mission. It's to vigorously pursue. But it's not to pursue um, for the sake of, I better pursue, must evangelize. I better pursue because I must prophesy. It's vigorously to pursue him because he's our mission, loving him and worshiping him. And from that flows. He works in us to will and to do. He's the one who works in us. So what he puts in, we work out as we have sat with him and walked with him. It's not all about... Um, when I say sat w sit with him, it's not now sit at home for four hours. It is on the road, talking to him, being aware all the time. Like a cloak, he's here with me. Does that make sense? So that is the vigorous. That, is, that takes energy. To keep going with Jesus and to even want him takes energy. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you that you said 
that my sheep know my voice. That's amazing. That we will recognize your voice and that it's your job to speak to us in a way that we recognize. That you take ownership of the very things that you've said in the Bible. You said we will bear much fruit. So you even take ownership of the bearing much fruit. You work with us so that we will bear much fruit because you said we will. Even though we think we aren't, we actually are in the way that you've planned for us. And I want to ask this morning, Lord, that for each of us, in our minds, you'll put us in our lane. Where our feet have drifted out of the lane and we into um, good works for the sake of good works, not because we just love you to bits. Lord, if we are trying to prove our salvation or want you to love us more so we do these things, Father, will you break that off us in the name of Jesus? Because, Lord, we want to serve you from a heart so full of love, so full of compassion, kindness. We want to be a joy to the world. We want to see the world as just somewhere where we can go and serve and show who you are not this massive burden that we have to try and convince people. Lord, thank you, you do the convincing when we step out. It's amazing, Lord. It's actually all about you and your presence. And Lord, we sing that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. And this morning, Lord, we want to come back. As a church, we want to come back and just be in your presence. And just sit at your feet and be healed and be restored. And Lord, you know life is so fast that our energy seeps through our feet. We want our energy restored. We want our love for you restored. Our passion for you restored, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Just ask God to come and heal, restore, touch your heart, break off you, anything that's hindering, all the hardships, just ask him. We, we now have an open heaven that we can come and say, Lord, Lord, will you please... If you have promises over your life, say, Lord, what about my promises? What about? If there are people today and you've never even come to Jesus in the first place to say, I want to be in your presence. Father, I want to be, I want to be your child. I also want to be a son of God then today's the day. He just loves that. He's brought you here. You might think that you came here because, well, somebody brought you or, well, this is what you do. But he brought you here because he loves you so much and he's calling, come, come to me, come to me. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. I want to break Hard years of people, especially the older people who have got maybe a history of 
things happening, hard years. Father God, will you come and bring restoration in people, old and young, who have had things happen to them, against them, things spoken about them, spoken over them. I want to ask, Lord, you break it off, all of us really, in the name of Jesus and set us free. Father, I want to ask for restoration of minds. Will you put your hand on each of our heads, really, Lord, and come and bring restoration and lift off us heavy weights, heavy burdens, the I musts, the, the lies of the enemy over us? Will you break that off us today, Lord, in Jesus' name? We want to... We want a clear path for, to, so that we can hear your voice. Thank you, Jesus. If there's someone today who you know in your family, you'd like somebody, you'd love it if somebody came to Jesus. You've been praying for them. You've been longing. It's an open heaven. Say, Lord, what about my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my family member, my work colleague? Bring them now. Because Jesus will have it that we that He wants to save. He just wants to save. He's so lovely. And John, I watched you drumming. And it's quite, it was quite, I, I love the drumming. It was quite exhilarating. And I feel God spoke to me and said, you're an older man, but the energy that you used for drumming hasn't changed. You just go on and on and goes fast and slow. And it, that is incredible. And God said, you are a show and tell for this church of the life in this church. Because there's old and young, and there's a number of older people who might be thinking, but what can I do? But you have the same life in you now as when you were younger. And so what God has done in John, beating the drum in the most brilliant way, is a word for your church. That is the vibrancy that is actually in this church. And it's today to own it again. Because life gets tough. And one goes, goes, you know, you've got to go to the doctor. And there's this and there's that and so on. And God says, that doesn't matter. The, the life in this church is like John beating those drums. He didn't miss a beat. And I was amazed. He started off slow at one point. In the end, he was taking us so fast. We had to sing very fast. And that's what's in this church. And Father, I want to pray something into being here today. Something of exhilaration of that drum beat. And that the drummer, who though he has drummed for years and is older now, has not missed a beat. And not one of you here today, even those of your church members who are not here today, not one will miss a beat. Because Jesus said, you will bear fruit. Till the day you die, you will bear fruit. But I'm only having a cup of tea with my neighbor. 
you will bear fruit as you are having cups of tea or talking to some. You will bear fruit. God's got a drum beat over this church. And it was interesting watching the drummer last night in Maidstone. This guy, Tom Sewell, I know him well. And I've often seen drummers, but it's, it's as if God is catching my attention with, with drummers wanting to speak to me for the church. And I watched Tom, and he was drumming for the conference. And he would drum with his eyes closed and be full up there with God. And then as the song came to an end, his eyes would be on the person leading. And he, the focus was totally intense to see what is the leader going to do. So there was a man leading, and he watched. And then a woman sang, and he turned his attention to her, and he watched to see what she was doing. And God said, that's how he wants us to be. We are busy with life. But then we say, Lord, we put our eyes on our leader. Is the drum, is the song going to end and a new one start? Is there a new beat that we're going into? It's to look to God to see what song is he playing now. Is something changing? Because somehow there's a new season coming for you. Um, you're on the, the edge of a, of a new season and that came with that drum beat where it was slow at first. And then it went fast, 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 fast. There's an exhilarate, um, exhilaration. Acceleration. In exhilaration. An, ac <laughs> an acceleration that God's going to do. It's not going to be about, well, but we don't have the energy for it. Because it's God who works in us to do. There's an acceleration coming of things happening here among you and in Hearn Bay. I just believe God's going to send people in here who need healing, restoration, and they're going to come in their ones and twos until you've so fully practiced that you just you are saying, Lord, bring them in. And you're going to be sitting with people, and you're going to just talk to them about Jesus, and they're going to say, I want to come with you. So there's something coming in that drumbeat um, of <laughs> acceleration, in exhilaration. You'll have to make a crest and a motto, eh? <laughs> and if you will, as a church, I want you loud to ask him for acceleration. Ask him for the people who you want to come in to come and ask him for the sick, ask him for the poor. Ask him for those in need, but ask him for those with plenty. Because we need a good balance. Ask him for the lost. Can we do that? Father God. Father God, we just call on you. We call on you, Lord. And the psalm that was read, last thing, the psalm that was read was 
one generation will tell the other. And I would like one older man and one older woman to come stand next to me. Please. And a man? There we are. Yes. There we go. And if you will, I want you to say, younger people, accelerate and run. Because Jesus is with you. Younger people, accelerate and run because Jesus is with you. Accelerate. Right. Yep. You can you do it line by line. <laughs> okay. Younger people. Older people, you mean? Uh, younger people. Younger people. Accelerate. Accelerate. And run. And run. Because God is with you. Because God is with you. Now, older people. Older people. Accelerate. Accelerate. And run. And run. Because we have the experience. Because. Because we have the experience. And we know God is with us. And we know God is with us. And we have hope for younger people. And we have hope for younger people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give God a shout. Jesus. 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 Amen. Amen. You can sit down or whatever you're going to do or whoever's taking over. You